bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your way. Welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. It's Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm putting out a podcast. I'm not the biggest NFL fan. We're just going to move on. With my recovery and the fine mess that college athletics have become. (laughs) So after this message, we will come back and we will discuss the fine mess of college athletics. And by the way, if you know how to contact me, I am looking for questions for the next podcast. Questions on the NCAA or college sports in general or whatever. For the next podcast, so please submit your questions via my email, J-A-Y-B-E-E-7-8-0 at Comcast.net. Or if you're a friend and you have my phone number, text me. Or if we're Facebook page friends, send me a message on Facebook page. But... We will continue on with the mess that the NCAA and college athletic is here next on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. When you need someone to listen, a lawyer you know and trust. In a world filled with distractions, one law firm stands tall, fighting for justice. Bradshaw and Bryant. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. We take our mission very seriously. Our firm is dedicated to representing those who have suffered due to the fault of others, especially when they're distracted by their phones. Four seconds, that's all it takes to travel the length of a football field, but those same four seconds can change lives forever. Don't be the person who causes irreversible damage to others or yourself. Put your phone down when you're behind the wheel and be aware of your surroundings. Bradshaw and Bryant have championed the rights of the injured for over three decades. We excel at what we do. Bradshaw and Bryant is ready to fight for you. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. And we're back, and that was the Brother Johnson with Get the Funk Out of My Face. So that's why I didn't have to beep it. The word was funk, F-U-N-K, funk, out of my face. A lot of people were saying that to college administrators, coaches, commissioners, whoever it will be, can you get the funk out of our game now or out of our sports Every time you turn around, 
something is happening, something doesn't smell good, something is rotten in Denmark, and including Kirk Herbstreet, Mr. Game Day himself, getting a phone call from a dad and asking what his son should do as far as which school he go to. The player's name is Riola. His dad's name is Dominic Riola, who played pro foot. The young man's name, I'm forgetting, but the last name is Riola. And Kirk took the phone call and listened and claimed that the whole thing was innocent. Let's take a look at what the dad said and take a look at what Kirk Herbstreet was claiming that he told the dad. We'll say, bring up one guy's name. His name's Kirk Herbstreet. When he saw, he saw the smoke uh, about Dylan entertaining Nebraska, he was like, called me. He said, dude, is this true? He got to do it. You know, he got to do it. He, he, his affinity for Nebraska, uh, for a guy like that, to tell me to you know, get behind me. Like, I knew, I knew he needed to do it. But I was going to sit here and say, you need to go change that place or be a part of the change of that place. Uh, so when Kurt told me that, you know, I was like, man, this is... place is special coach rules a special leader that makes you wonder what is herb street up to is he truly just being an informational piece or is he expanding the boundaries of his position at espn is he doing the bidding of espn making sure that and the young man in question his name is dylan rayola didn't go to Ohio State as he originally agreed to and got flipped to Georgia. And once the word got out that maybe he'll take a second look at where he's at with Georgia, all of a sudden he's being convinced that Nebraska's the place to go, not Ohio, you know. Which is kind of odd that Herbie wouldn't say Take a look at Ohio State again. They had just cut their starting quarterback and all other things. But at that point, Nebraska, I mean, not Nebraska, Ohio State had signed Kansas State's quarterback and then also signed another top-line recruit quarterback. So he maybe he just figured that we can just get Dylan to go to Nebraska and help Nebraska. Now, for those people who think that there's a plot that ESPN wants Dylan Riola to attend Nebraska. Understand something. Nebraska will not show up on ESPN outside of a non-conference game. Plain and simple. Because all of Nebraska's games, unless, like I said, they're playing playing on the road against somebody in the SEC or the Big 12, and even with the Big 12, that might still wind up on Fox. Are gonna Nebraska's games are going to be on Fox or the Big 10 Network or FS1 or Peacock or CBS. So why do people think that this is a big underground conspiracy by Kirk Herbstreet? He actually <laughs> gained nothing outside of Rayola going back to say he was going to go and play at Ohio State, if he went to Georgia, okay, people were saying that 
you know, that just further tightens the grip with ESPN and uh, the SEC. So you people in some ways, and I find myself doing the same, are reaching. Reaching with conspiracies that probably don't hit, but maybe you find it fun to do that. Or maybe you're totally convinced that that's the way it's going to happen, that Fox and ESPN are going to totally control college football and college sports. Well, there are other networks, like I said, outside of ESPN and Fox. There are NBC, CBS, that have a vested interest in this. One might tell me, well, what about ABC? ABC is owned by ESPN or ESPN is owned by ABC, whatever. One of the two, they're all the same. I own Disney stock. Dis- they're both owned by Disney. So when ESPN and ABC does well, my stock does well. I just want the craziness to stop. Kirk Herbstreet, be a commentator. The Riola family, go wherever you want to go. And that leads me to the next one. FSU is still thoroughly convinced that the playoff committee was totally convinced to throw in Nick Saban because ESPN knew that this was going to be Nick Saban's last year and he was they wanted him in the playoffs one last time. Now Nick Saban says that he decided like 10 minutes before he walked into the team meeting final decision that he was done. He had a speech written for I'm out or a speech written for I'm totally in Let's continue on, and this is the way things are going to work. But there are a ton of people, especially Florida State people and some other schools, maybe even some Georgia people, because they got screwed over in that deal too, that are clearly believing that Nick Saban told ESPN or somebody at ESPN that he was, he was walking at the end of the season no matter when the season ended and that ESPN who people think controlled the playoff committee got to them and said, well, this is the last time for Nick and this is the last time for the 14 playoff. We need to get Nick into the playoff. I will tell you that is far fetched, but in this country right now, is anything really far-fetched with AI, the MAGAs, the ultra-liberals, ultra and everything else that goes on? Just like as I watched the Super Bowl and you got people who believe that the, the reason why the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl is to show Taylor uh, Swift as much as possible to have people vote for uh, Joe Biden. We are really starting to lose it in this country. We need to stick to facts, known facts. Fox News, NBC, uh, NBC C, uh, News, their cable news company, I can't think of the, the initial, have really distorted and blurred the news and people are buying it. You got to think for yourself. Look for facts. Research things, try to find out one way or another. In both cases, 
you're blaming ESPN. People hate ESPN. Who do, there's a ton of people that don't like ESPN or Disney. They rather believe in Fox, be it Fox News or Fox Sports or whatever. Look for look for facts, people. You know things do smell fishy in both cases. I'm not going to deny that. But let's slow down. Let's look for the facts. I know it's a hot mess. Well, everything is a hot mess. But continue to look for facts. We, we have to continue to look for facts. As we talk about Fox and ESPN, guess what? They may team up. There, a couple of years ago, ESPN was trying to buy Fox Sports. And have a monopoly basically on sports outside of the little stuff you see on CBS and NBC and, and maybe a few other minor outlets like TBS and TNT. And they were really trying to buy Fox Sports, maybe to kill it or maybe to have a larger arm on sports. But they were truly trying to buy it. Well, yes, what's happening now? There's word coming that there will be an app out there that will combine Fox and ESPN and some other outlet to bring everything under one app, under one umbrella. I wonder where we heard that before. Did we ever have that before? Yes, it was called cable TV before the millennials started cutting cable and everybody else started buying into it. And the people that brought us sports decided it was better to run apps for the millennials to buy and for people that cut cut the cord on cable than just to keep it on cable, to keep it under one umbrella. Was it greed? Was it trying to be smart? Was it trying to uh, appease their future audience, uh, people who were going to have the money soon, the 30 the tw late 20-something, early 30, late 30-somethings, or was it they were just being too smart? I don't know. I still have cable, and I have some streaming apps, so it serves me well. My cable is discounted through my homeowner <laughs> association because it ties into our security of our building, but I also have some streaming because... I will buy cheap streaming services and watch the commercials just to watch a handful of pro programs. And maybe in the case of the Peacock Network, watch Big Ten Sports on there or a big Notre Dame game. When then the price goes back up, I'm going to be off that platform. I'm not. Maybe you can accuse me of being a chaser of deals, but I am not going to pay high prices for sports my cable like i said i have a very inclusive cable deal through our my hoa and it's like 40 something dollars a month we don't we don't get big movie channels so that's why you have to do some streaming but we get all the for, uh sports channels and all that and that's basically all i need hate to be discussing such a drab topic but again, the topic was, <laughs> the beginning of the topic was, are we heading back, is streaming 
figuring out it needs to be under one umbrella for sports. Well, again, that one umbrella was called cable. So I don't know where we're headed, what we're going to be doing, but it, I just find it all to be interesting. Speaking of getting together this week, the Big Ten and the SEC have formed not an alliance, and I think I kind of lo- loosely spoke of this the last episode, don't call it an alliance. They've been here for years. A working agreement, they're calling it, to have a board of their presidents to get together and to see with their commissioners and see what would be best for their conferences and college sports overall. But underneath this, understand something. If Washington State doesn't back off with suing, well, not suing, but withholding its vote on changing how the uh, CFP, college football playoff, will be run in the next couple of years and beyond. Because there's two years left in the contract. And right now, it's supposed to go to 12 teams. The winner of the six, the five power conferences, which one really doesn't exist anymore, and that's the Pac-12. And then the highest rated seed of the group of five. Washington State, who with Oregon State, was left behind of what was left in the Pac-12, the Pac-2, and is trying to figure out what they're going to do next. They are struggling to stay away from joining the Mountain West. They want to keep the Pac-12 name. They have control of it right now for the next couple of years. And if to have this six top six power conferences change to the top five power conferences and then seven at large bids, you have to have unanimous decision votes from everybody involved in the college football playoff possible presidents. I mean, Washington State has decided that they're going to vote no until they get what they want. And what they want is to have for the next couple of years to have the Pac-2 continue to be treated as a power conference or some guarantees of something that when they play, because the next couple of years they're going to play a Mountain West football schedule outside of playing Washington will play Washington State and Oregon will play Oregon State and there might be a a couple of other power four games that whoever wins that conglomeration or whatever you want to call it is given a spot or they're given more money or something, but Washington State wants something. Or maybe they just want to keep pushing until they can force one of the remaining Power Four conferences to take them in Oregon State. Who knows? But they want something until they do. They are going to try to withhold their vote. Here's the problem with that. I said there was an underbelly, an ugliness to this Big Ten SEC agreement. And the underbelly is, let's face it, the Big Ten and the SEC has all the power teams at this, basically all the power teams in their conferences outside of a few. The Clemson University and the University of North Carolina, also Miami and Florida State right now. They would be kind of the four that the Big Ten and the SEC don't have. And what they could do is walk away 
from the CFP and said, we're going to hold our own playoff. And it will be called the Power 2 playoff or whatever. And Fox and ESPN, would, who have vested interests in those two organizations, wouldn't have a problem if that happened. Because that playoff would still be played on their airways. They would get big numbers because it would be all the big brands, all the big schools. Washington State needs to, and along with some of the group of five schools that may be withholding their, withholding their uh, votes on changing it from six, the top five plus one schools and six anonymous bids are changing it to Five, which would be the power four, remaining power four schools, and a group of five school, and then seven at-large bids. So they either need to fall in line and are going to wind up ticking off these two power conferences who may walk away, take their ball. You know, we all grew up as a kid. Somebody had a ball when we were playing a game and got left out or thought they were being treated crappy and decided they were going to take their ball and go home and ended the game or, in, you know, ended the basketball game or ended the football game or whatever. If these schools don't get it together, and like I said, there's only two years left of the college football playoff, and next year it's going to be, the top four, the winner of the ACC, Big 12, Big 10, and SEC, and then two of the group of the winners of the top two rank of the group of five will get uh, bids also. So it'll be six, and then there'll be six at large bids, or there will be five and seven, which would be the winner of the ACC, the winner of the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the SEC, the highest-ranked group of five, and then seven at-large bids. And what people are fearing is most of those at-large bids will go to Big Ten and SEC schools. Now, the Big Ten is actually, before we even get to the uh, the 12-team playoff, wants to move it to a 16-team playoff. Now, you would say, but that would get more group of five teams in. Not necessarily. That will get more Big Ten and SEC teams in because it's all about where you wind up being ranked at the end of the season. And with having 18 teams in the Big Ten and 16 teams in the SEC, and they're the bigger names and the bigger brands, you can see where this is heading. So these people who are fighting against this right now, it's damned if you do. And if you don't, you're really going to be damned. Damned if you do and damned if you don't. If you just If you keep playing this game, of ticking off these two powerful entities right now. Speaking of power, 
Florida State hasn't given up and is not going to give up. They have amended their lawsuit against the ACC, claiming that the ACC or the presidents of the schools didn't have the power to vote to agree to the contract, (laughs) the grant of rights with ESPN. Again, reaching for straws, throwing everything against the wall, hoping something sticks, but that's what they got to do. Or pay $500 million just to get out of the ACC and then turn around and no, that's $500 million on the grant of rights and then another $180 million just to get out of the conference and then hope that the SEC and the Big Ten or the Big Ten picks them up. And if the Big Ten and SEC does not do that, they're floating out there as an independent. Well, the, uh, the reason why those entities probably wouldn't touch them at that point is the Florida State home games the money from that would still go back to the ACC grant of rights. They would be out of the conference. They could be in a different conference. But that other conference, be it the the Big Ten or SEC, doesn't want somebody taking money from their coffers and not adding into it. Even though the money comes from ESPN or Fox, there would still be a money loss there because Florida State would still be paying it's home games, TV revenue back to the ACC. So they need to find, F- FSU, Florida State University, needs to find a way, and that's why they've thrown everything against the wall, hoping something sticks, to break the grant of rights and to get out free and clear. And if that happens, holy hell, what happens next? Because Miami, North Carolina, Clemson, and everybody else is go going to run. Now, the people who are going to fight that are going to be the people who have no place to land, like maybe your Virginia and your Virginia Tech, Boston College, Syracuse, schools like that, the second and third tier schools of the ACT. They get ACC, I'm sorry, ACT. I'm thinking of te- uh, ACC. So they have no place to land. And then also, Stanford and Cal would be floating in the ether again. And then Notre Dame. Yes, Notre Dame would get screwed. How would Notre Dame get screwed? They would not be tied to a a conference for football in the sense of they can play a loose schedule in the ACC. They don't, they still remain a uh, football independent, but they play, was it six games against the ACC? So they don't get the easy scheduling. Plus, the other teams for Notre Dame, their basketball teams, their soccer team, their softball teams, their baseball team, whatever, wouldn't have a conference to play in. And what would that do to Notre Dame at that point? It would force them finally, as The Rock would say, finally, Notre Dame has come to, I would say, the Big Ten. Others would say, they would give the final stab in the Big Ten's heart and run to the SEC. Or maybe they would run to a conference 
where they can control it again. And that would be the Big 12. The Big 12 would welcome them in open arms, but it would force them to join a conference. That's what I'm trying, <laughs> the biggest deal. It would force them to join a conference, get not be able to get the luxury of being an independent anymore, and they would have to give up their wonderful independency that they always cry about and always, you know, we're, we're independent, and that's the way we're going to remain. Eventually, it's going to change anyway, but you have to understand Notre Dame is going to keep the pressure on to keep the ACC alive so they can have their sweetheart deal. So again, there's still a lot of funky smell, funky stuff going on in college athletics that people aren't aware of, not thinking about. It's not for, for, for foremost in, in your face, but it's coming. And five years from now, 10 years from now, you won't recognize the landscape of college sports. College sports are going to go through such a change because of uh, lawsuits that they keep losing, employment, all type of deals that are coming down the pike that are going to force it to change, force the NCAA to change or go away. And understand something. If the NC2 goes away, there'll be another entity that will run college sports because you will need somebody to run college sports. It just can't be, I'll do this and I'll do that and that and this and that and that. It will be that they will be forced to do something. They're, it's too late. They're going to have to pay athletes. And then on top of paying football players, and everybody keeps talking about separate football. I would like to see how they pull it off without lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit under Title IX. Title IX is a federal law. It dealt with schools being equal. But then those people became even smarter and said, hey, our sports are under the school umbrellas at high schools and grade schools and colleges. So sports is a part of the college, which means it has to follow Title IX. It was a bunch of male lawyers who had daughters in sports who fought. And Richard Nixon fought with them, being that he had two daughters. And they got Title IX passed. Not really thinking about sports. They were more thinking about equal opportunities in education, which would mean better laws for, I mean, better jobs for their daughters as they grew up and their granddaughters and, and so forth and so forth. That was the, the first thing that Title IX was to bring. Nobody even thought about sports, but some smart lawyer looked at it and said, hey, you got to be in compliance with this, with your sports teams also. This is what, again, this is why we're in the fine mess that we're in. I want to talk about somebody in my past, my past in radio, my past in early podcast days. His name is Philip Wise, or as we called him at KQ, the Philly dog, the Philly dog moved to, I think he moved back home to Omaha, Nebraska for a while. And now he finally made the move to where he wanted to go. He's in Vegas. Why do I, how or why do I know this? He claims that he butt dialed me today and we had a conversation that he was trying to call somebody else and he wound up calling me. Whatever, Philip. Philip called me and we talked. He checked, he was calling in to check up on me was pleading ignorance about my recovery. I'm not buying that either. And we talked about that. He wanted to know about my future plans with my job or retirement or whatever. 
uh, my future plans for this podcast. And he wanted to know, just wanted to know what was going on. He wanted to check in about my kids. But then, got to understand, Philip played in the NFL. Philip played on the New York Jets as a defensive back. And his one job was to chase down O.J. Simpson. Got traded or signed as a free agent with the Vikings. And he had one job. It was to chase down Walter Payton. So the man had speed to burn and could tackle people. But that was his one job in life twice. O.J. Simpson and Walter Payton. He's now in Vegas. He said his health is even out. It's steady. He has, you know, he has to continue on working on his health issues. I will have to tell you, I've had other conversations with Philip in the past couple of years, or the Philly dog, as some of you may call him. And that was probably the strongest, happiest I've heard him in a long time. He thought he had been screwed over by some people here and other places, and he had just gotten tired of the whole thing. He said he can't even, he's so busy, he can't even get down to the strip to bet. And he likes a good casino. So if he's telling me he hasn't made it to the strip, to uh, place a bet, he must be busy. He didn't, wouldn't tell me bit with what, because that's Philip, and that's what he does is not, <laughs> not give you a lot of insight in what he's doing. But when he does give you any insight, it is, <laughs> it's normally like, wow, he's up to this or he's up to that, or he's just giving you insight. Period. It's good to hear from Philip. It's great for me to be able to give you all an update. All those who know Philly on the update. And when I come back, I'm going to have final thoughts on something that really came to the forefront for me today. It's been gnawing at me for a while, but favorite college team broke my heart today. And I'll cover it more when we come back from these commercial, this commercial message from my sponsor, Bradshaw and Bryant, Mike Bryant. And also don't forget links. And that's the... Links, and that's L-I-N-K-Z, arts, one word, linksart.com for your t-shirt, caps, jacket, or whatever you want to wear, bowling jersey needs. And if you have, if you play softball or baseball and you have a glove that needs some TLC, or maybe you're an old athlete who has an old glove, an old ball player that has an old glove that you want to pass down, to your grandchild, but it's just beating the hell and you need it to be reconditioned. www.jbees, and that's with an S, J-A-Y-B-E-E-S, jbeesglovepair.com. That's one word, jbeesglovepair.com can take care of that. And I wonder if you know the guy that owns that company and does the work for that company. Well, I'll be back in a second. With my closing thoughts here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. When you need some, when you need someone to listen, a lawyer you know and trust. In a world filled with distractions, one law firm stands tall, fighting for justice. Bradshaw and Bryant. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. We take our mission very seriously. Our firm is dedicated to representing those who have suffered due to the fault of others, especially when they're distracted by their phones. Four seconds. That's all it takes to travel the length of a football field. But those same four seconds can change lives forever. 
Don't be the person who causes irreversible damage to others or yourself. Put your phone down when you're behind the wheel and be aware of your surroundings. Bradshaw and Bryant have championed the rights of the injured for over three decades. We excel at what we do. Bradshaw and Bryant is ready to fight for you. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Sorry for the abrupt ending there of family ties. I just have to tell you, speaking of family ties, my family, my one of my younger nieces, my brother, daughter, Jordan, and my oldest nephew, Arthur, he's the oldest grandchild, put on a surprise birthday party for Arthur's younger sister, Anita, for her 39.99 birthday. Now, I'm assuming that means she turned 40, but maybe she turned... Maybe she turned 39.99. Either way, it was uh, my family got together, and I just want to tell my family, sorry I couldn't be there. There's a thing called distance. You know, most of my, seven of my eight siblings live in St. Louis. One lives in Atlanta. There's a little thing called distance, and also a little thing called I can't travel right now because my left ankle on a daily basis hurts like hell as I rehab this. There there's probably one day a week where it really hurts like hell and then the rest it really feels good i'm able to do extension exercises with my left leg which gets my quad my hamstring my groin my hip and my si joint strong again but it does not allow me to still put any bear any weight on my foot starting to do flex as much as i can my ankle was fused so i don't know how much range of emotion I'm going to have when this deal is over with. And this is because I stepped off the curb and broke the distal end, the far tip end of my uh, fib, fibular. But I digress. But the way around not getting shots anymore is to have my ankle fused. I don't know how, I think I won't have, I won't be able to roll my ankle anymore, but I will still have dorsal and plantar flexion, meaning I can point my toes down and I'll be able to bring my toes up my foot down foot up but right now I can flex my toes down and flex them up I can try to flex my ankle up and I can't do it far that's where I'm at with my rehab I'm really starting to my doctor's giving me clearance so you know me I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to watch myself that I don't push my push myself too much and go overboard with my uh, rehab because I'm not under the care of a PT at this point. So a physical therapist. So right now it's just me being smart, uh, researching what I can do and talking to my doctor. So I don't leave. And when I say doctor, I meant doctors, meaning 
the surgeon that did the deal and my primary care physician whose background is also in orthotics. So listen to the both of them, can uh, work out a plan, continue my plan and get myself healthy, hopefully in the, to the point in the next month and a half that I can go back to, to work. And if that isn't that, then I'll continue on where I'm doing until I can get to that point. Okay, I spoke earlier about something that happened today with one of my favorite teams ever that broke my heart. The University of Minnesota softball team wore black jersey. Now, when I was in school, they wore black pants because it was hard in the 80s to, outside of getting a football jersey or a basketball uniform, to get maroon uniforms for other teams. The other the companies that produced them didn't care. Wasn't enough schools outside of you know Texas A and M and a handful of others that wore maroon to make it their worthwhile. So what they would do, they would make Cardinal, which was USC and uh, Stanford and a bunch of other schools who wore Cardinal, which meant that if we wanted to come close to maroon, you wore Cardinal. And a lot of people chose not to do that. So back then they wore black. As we got into the late 90s and the early 2000s, Nike, Reebok, and all these uh, Under Under Armour got to making stuff in dark, deep, rich maroon, which meant that all our teams could wear maroon and gold uniforms. Well, like I said, it broke my heart, and it's slowly been happening. It started with football, and I, I shouldn't say it. it. started with women's basketball, and it started then football, and men's basketball, and other teams have been wearing black uniforms. I didn't go to the University of Iowa. If I wanted to wear black and gold, I would have gone to the University of Iowa. I went to the University of Minnesota. My school colors are maroon and gold. The royal regal colors of maroon and gold. Anybody can wear red and yellow. Anybody can wear black. Take a special team, a special individual to wear maroon and gold. My high school color was maroon and white. We call that a very regal color maroon. When you bleed, it turns to maroon. God, somehow, someway, this has got to stop. The only way is that the donors or the Board of Regents put their foot down and say, this has got to end. When I worked at the university, we actually had an edict from the Board of Regents, from the president's office, that stated that we couldn't wear black uniforms. We could wear gray if you were baseball and softball, but now it's everybody's wearing black. Let me tell you this. Does... Back in the day or now, I don't even know if we still have Crips and Bloods or whatever. But would a Crip wear red and a Blood wear blue to battle? Why are we going to battle in the Big Ten wearing black? The color are one of our two biggest rivals. We might as well start wearing red. Not maroon, but red. Because the other rivals color, Wisconsin, their color is red. Shameful disrespectful but just because it's hip now and that's what the kids want so we're going to cow down to the athletes because we're so afraid that they're going to jump the 
uh, transfer portal if they don't get a black uniform. All they care about is money. And a handful of them that would transfer because they can't get a black uniform, let them. Screw them. I am deathly passionate about this. And no friend, old friend of mine who will come up, up to me and say, well, you got to do what the kids want because that's what, that's, you know, keep them happy. Screw them. Your school colors are maroon and gold. The royal regal colors are maroon and gold. Not black and yellow. Not red and yellow. There are no cowards at the University of Minnesota. Just royal regal people. With that, I'm out. Thanks for listening. Please send me questions for the next episode. And I will answer all your questions about college sports, the NC2A, or whatever. Next episode, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. I am Negro, Black, African American, Black, Black, Black. Django, JB. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know I Our great Negro sex machine.